0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing, if you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. Friends, and welcome to this golf program unlike any other. Oh, yes, my friends, we are back. This is Fairway Rollin' on FanDuel TV and the Ringer Podcast Network. My birdie buddies, I am your starter, Joe House. This is a major week, so we are joined. By my my major accomplice, my PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard. And of course, we have our golf data guru, the biggest brain in strokes gained, the head of content for the 21st group, Justin Ray. Gentlemen, it's a three ball. The pegs are in the ground. Everybody is ready to see some coffee golf. So let's get this thing going. Jay Ray. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Got a little coffee golf warm up this
1: week with those pushed up tea times. The Scottish Open. I don't know if you were up at three thirty in the morning. like I might have been for a couple of days, but um cool. yeah, no, I'm fired up, man. This is gonna be a great open.
0: I, I definitely was not up that early. <laughs> I want to begin with this Nate dog. Uh Roy McElroy won the Scottish Open in very dramatic fashion. It was very fun to watch. It was a very windy Sunday. We watched it in all kinds of different tape delay and streaming iterations. Uh, CBS had its own uh, apparent wind issues to, to deal with. Well, they had some issues. We don't know what it was, but
2: all the microphones got blown out.
0: But Nate dog, here's the, the, the thing. What are we supposed to do now? My guy, Rory, took it down. Well,
2: he put terribly this week is the thing. I mean, J. Ray, you did the stats on this all week, but he lost almost three and a half strokes putting on Friday and Saturday. And other than that magical, mystical Bobby Mack run that seems to be happening to the native son at every National Open we're seeing this year, Rory kicked everyone else's ass by five strokes in spite of putting like crap. I mean, it, I, Jay Ray, the thing I wanted to ask you coming into this week is, has anything really changed since the U.S. Open? We've still got Scotty on this unprecedented run of tee to green performances, but the putter's getting in the way. You know, the, the Fleetwood's still the bridesmaid, never the bride, so on and so forth. But does this win really matter today? Because if Rory makes more putts Friday and Saturday, he might have won this thing by 10.
1: Yeah, he would have run away with it. Um, you mentioned how poorly he putted on Friday and Saturday. Final round and gained more than two and a half strokes on the green. So he talked about after the round. I thought this was interesting that they did not, they didn't roll the greens overnight because of the wind that they were expecting. Um, and so he hmm. said it was less about reading the greens and more about reading the wind today with the butts. So maybe that helped him out a little bit. He was able to, you know, craft the, you know, better, more decisive ways to get to the hole and, you know, he, he putted so much better today. But, yeah, you're right. His ball striking was awesome. Led the field in strokes t to green. It's more of the same. Scotty Scheffler, second in the field in strokes canteen to green. Those guys are one and two for the season in strokes T to green. Oh, by the way, they're one and two in strokes T to green in the majors the last two years. So, yeah, there's a lot of that, a lot of more of the same in terms of what we've seen over the last several months. But uh, I was really emboldened by what Rory did coming down the stretch. I think everybody should be. Those were two incredibly clutch approach shots proximity of the hole on 17 was about 45 feet for the field. He stuck it to, what, five feet? And then at mm. uh, 18, was even more impressive to get it to 10 feet. That average proximity was around sixty-five uh, feet for the field. From today. a so, divot
2: with a knockdown two-iron into the wind. I mean, come on.
1: Everything about that was so impressive. The approach, having to back off of it, he changes clubs, he chokes down, he shapes the shot differently. Trevor Immelman talked about he went to like from a draw to a fade, a fade to a drive, forget what it was, but everything about that entire sequence is, was so impressive and so entertaining. So, uh, but in terms of like the overall season narrative. Um, yeah, it it's a little bit more of the same. It's another big win for Rory. Fair Rolex series wins, but he's a guy who's ultimately going to be judged by his performances in the major championships. So to your point about Scotty, seven consecutive top five finishes, which is ridiculous. The first time we've seen that on the PGA Tour since Tiger 7 08 had 11 in a row. Of course, Tiger won like half those tournaments, so it's a little yeah. bit different. Uh, but yeah, no, the run Scotty's on consistently, tee to green, he's having the best season since prime
2: Tiger, uh, and he
1: continued that with another good finish
2: this week. I want to come back to Scotty because I I think he's invented the backdoor top five. But I I just before we get off Rory, I have to ask for House because he doesn't want to jinx Rory. He just wants to bet Rory. But can you tell me, should we be worried about a guy who wins a tournament the week before a major? What is the what do the stats say? It has he you sort of Ricky was math this week. You know, two weeks after the win. But d- does this does this make us more? worried about Rory, or does this give us th- the edge that we needed to see when he probably lost the most winnable major he might have had given the competition he was against at the U.S. Open, that he's maybe taken the seal off, as he said in the post game here?
1: Yeah, when it comes to Rory, I'm not concerned. The last time he won a major championship, he won the previous week at Firestone. Uh, you mentioned that Rory performance at the U.S. Open. Those the most greens in regulation anyone's ever hit at a U.S. Open and not won. Uh, which is a staggering statistic that really just tells you everything you need to know. And we know what happened at the Open Championship last summer when he had the 54 hole lead, hit every green in regulation, and didn't win. That's a that that had never happened before and since they started keeping track of it. So uh, I'm not too concerned with a guy like him having a breakthrough week. I think if it's a player who's not really ever won before um, and not used to that spotlight and the the continued heat of having those cameras and the and the, the focus on you throughout a championship that would make me a little bit more concerned. Like, take Wyndham Clark, for example. This is probably going to be the first time Wyndham Clark has ever given a press conference before a major started. That's a guy who Mm -hmm. I would be a little more concerned in terms of having the spotlight on him initially. Rory's been playing with the blinding spotlight on him every round of his life for 15 years. So um, I'm not too concerned about the, the stresses of the week before with the win. And like I said, the last time he won a major... Uh, He went to Valhalla fresh off one at Firestone and got it done. Obviously, that was a long time ago, but um, I'm not too worried about that in terms of um, the numbers saying a guy can't win the week before and then go on to win. Uh, Ten years ago this week, Phil Mickelson did a winning at the Scottish Open and then going on to win at Muirfield.
0: Yeah, I I know that we will spend even more time talking about Rory and, and his prospects for winning, but I want to set this thing up a little bit. It is the 151st. Open Championship at Royal Liverpool also known as Hoylake it's the second oldest of the English seaside links venues 13th time hosting uh, an open championship the the vintage of the winners at this joint is extraordinary of course Rory in 2014 Tiger in 2006 you go down the list Walter Hagen's got a W here Bobby Jones it's 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 many 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 of the greats, we love to kick off our preview of these majors with our best guess at how the thing's going to play. And that's a combination of course setup, what we've learned over the years about the course, and what the weather seems to be uh, indicating in the way of the size and scope of the challenge. We should remind everybody the last two times the Open Championship was at this venue. Tiger Woods in 2006 shot 18 under, and Rory McIlroy in 2014 shot 17 under, but that was when the course was a par 72. The course is now a par 71. One of the par fives on the back, the 10th hole, is now a long, long, long par four, and crucial... To Rory McElroy's domination of this venue in 2014 was his domination of the par fives. He, I think, was uh, I don't, yeah, see, there you go, Pride's your best in the field, yeah. Um, you're stealing and, notes from me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, we're just <laughs> That's trying to what set we the do, stage, yeah,
1: 100, 100, yeah. And when Tiger won in 06, he was 14 under par on the par five, so they played a Massive role, and they usually do when you got scores as low as we saw by the winners. And you go back almost 60 years when DiVincenzo won in 67, he was 10 under par. So um, it's been a place for guys have lit it up, typically, to to get to the finish line.
2: But We got the longest back nine in the history of the Open. Is that right? This this go-round house, Ray? We got the longest back nine that we're ever going to see.
0: I think that's true, um, although it's not... By yardage, materially different from the yardage that they played it back in 2014. Um, also,
1: yardages in Lynx golf are very right. W- one day's 200 is the next day's 125. Sometimes, so
2: fair enough. Um,
1: that could be kind of a little bit of a variable where it's not it's not as uh, consistent as expected as you might say at Augusta National in April or something like so, that.
0: JR, I know that you have folks on the ground that have been surveying this and helping you sort of build out your own perspective on this. It seems like they had beautiful weather in May and into into June, and then sort of the showers that arrive around about when Wimbledon gets going in the UK did indeed arrive, and they've had some some heavy rain um, over there in 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 the particular portion of where Royal Liverpool resides the pictures that you can see it looks fairly green it looks kind of lush and looking back at the 2014 iteration of this it did rain quite a bit it was a soft golf course um, when when rory went out rory finished he had the lead through the first two rounds back in 2014 he was 12 under par uh through the first 36 holes so this is gettable if the weather permits it Right now, we're still, you know, um, we're, we're taping this preview on a Sunday. The golf uh, uh, tournament commences on the Thursday. Um, it looks like there's some wind and rain, but it doesn't look ominous. What's your indication, JR, in terms of how this thing might be sizing up weather-wise?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think the weather, I, hopefully it's not too much of an issue. I know we saw what it was um, for the Scottish Open. The wind played a pretty significant role, especially in the final round. Um, I looked historically at we only have two opens in the modern era of this golf course, and we don't have strokes game numbers for either of them, so it's a little tough to glean a whole lot of value from the performances there, other than what we talked about earlier with the two winners really lighting up the par fives. But I looked at top ten finishers at all the major championships over the last twenty years, um, and the two numbers that kind of stuck out. It was a little more significant here for the players who finished in the top ten to hit a few more greens in regulation. And the scrambling percentage was significantly higher than typical. Winter. So that tells me that if the number for greens and regulation is more valuable, that inherently means players are going to miss more and that getting up and down is going to be pretty important. So those are two number. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm a numbers guy, so I don't love not having the advanced metrics for it. Um, but I think that if we get kind of a scoreable golf course, there's going to be a lot of birdie opportunities for players and players can kind of separate themselves by limiting some of those mistakes and being able to get up and down. So those are two of the numbers I'm going to look at for some of the players uh, looking into it. Strokes getting around the green will be maybe a little bit more of a deciding factor than usual. Maybe then we look at at a U.S. Open or, or a Masters. But, um, yeah, typically, typically elite iron play is what separates the best players from the contenders from the champions of these big championships, uh, and I see that happening again this week.
2: Well, we just had 30-plus mile-an-hour wins at the Scottish Open. It looks like we're going to have low 10s, 11, 12-mile-an-hour wins here this week. And and the wind is really this golf course's best defense. So yeah. the, the second biggest defense is, as you say, around the greens. They've rebunkered some of the greens. They So I, it, if it is approach or if it is short game and it is around the green, right, then talk to me. W- who are we looking at? I mean, the first name that comes to mind in the field when you say short game, even though this isn't a good thing, is always Victor Hovland. Because last year, he was in that last group at this tournament. The U.S. Open, he was hanging around the hoop. At the PGA, he was hanging around the hoop. How do you feel about his game? And if certainly you still don't have confidence in it, When you hear around the greens, who are the players that jump out for you as people we should be looking at this week?
1: So I'll go to your Hovland point, and this is something we talked about before the U.S. Open. He actually way outperforms his baseline when he gets to the major championships over the last two years in terms of play around the green. Since the 2022 Mm -hmm. Open last year at St. Andrews, he's gaining six-tenths of a shot per round on shots around the green, which seems ridiculous when you watch Hovland Week in and Week out. In every other tournament in that span, he's losing strokes per round on shots around the green. So... Um, I think I mentioned before the U.S. Open, there's a little bit of the Will Zalatoris putting in majors thing going on right. where he's a little bit better when you get to these more difficult venues. Maybe it's uh, renewed focus going into the week in terms of his preparation. I'm not sure what it is, but he's better when we get to the major championships and shots around the green. I'm not saying that, OK, go look at strokes skin around the green leaders and that's who's going to win the Open. I'm just saying it plays a little bit more of a role maybe in deciding maybe who's going to have success and not have success then week in, week out. I just think it's a little bit more of a fact than normal. Um, But, yeah, you look at that, and the first guy that kind of comes to mind, if we're going to have similar conditions to the Open Championship last year, nobody's made more birdies or better in major championships since the beginning of last year than Cameron Smith. I mean, he still has an unbelievable short game. If a lot of players are giving themselves birdie opportunities, I might take the best putter, arguably, in the world right now uh, as somebody who I'd like. But, yeah, those are – I mean – those are probably the two first names that come to mind, narrative-wise, negatively because of Hovland, and then maybe Cam Smith on the positive side. And Smith seems like an easy answer because he won last year. But uh, yeah. sometimes the the answer is pretty easy in front of your face going into a week.
0: What do you make of of driving accuracy? Because you know we we all can remember the the firm and fast, the baked out version of this golf course back in two thousand six, where Tiger I think got up to like eighty six percent fairways hit. He only hit um, one driver that entire uh, tournament. And, you know, he just he just bunted his, his two iron <laughs> around the place and, and, you know, made everybody try and catch him. Rory even, um, you know, w- when his uh, uh, 17 under performance, I think he was over 66 percent in terms of, of fairways. Um, do you think that driving accuracy at, at this is going to be important? I think that can speak to maybe not necessarily the
1: importance of hitting into the fairway, but maybe it negates the value of hitting it super far Um, where that extra distance off the tee maybe isn't as significant in terms of it. certainly wasn't for tiger. I also look at when tiger in 2006, when he won, he was so much better at mid to long irons than everybody else on the planet that he was essentially playing to his strength. And it might be a little bit of an outlier. Um, You know, Rory, pounded the golf ball in 2014 you think of the guys who finished right behind him in second you know ricky fowler's not the longest guy in the world but he's plenty long and then sergio garcia has been one of the best drivers of the ball throughout his career so this is a tough one for me to historically glean a lot off of simply because you know tiger in 06 was such a such a statistical outlier that it's it's tough to take a lot from it and you know we're nine years removed now from coming back here in 2014 so uh, I'm going to stick to maybe guys who I I can glean more information, not through course history like you can at the U.S. Open on specific venues or like we could at the PGA Championship where there were a lot of really strong course characteristics. I'm going to stick more when I like guys. It's going to be because of recent form, what they're doing uh, underlying analytically, you know, T to green or what what some of those trends are, and maybe not necessarily stick as much to course fit this week.
2: Well, let's talk about, Uh, some of those recent form guys because there's one guy who hasn't given us a whole lot to look at since he won the masters in April and that's John Rahm. He played those two tournaments directly after thought it was very valiant of him to go to RBC and then go defend his title at Mexico. At that point, he was, he was a tired tomato. Next time we saw him was PGA. We've seen him at Memorial. We've seen him at us open where he sort of backdoor to top 10 with a 65 on Sunday the last time we saw him, he missed the cut at the Travelers. He hasn't given us a ton here. He's third on the odds board behind Rory, who's now the clear favorite, and Scheffler. What do you make of John Rahm on this course and his chance to add a, a, a an Open Championship to a trophy case that already is unique among Europeans uh, with a you know with a Masters and a U.S. Open?
1: So he burned so hot at the beginning of the year. Remember that run he was on before he got to Augusta National. I think that it's just a little bit of human nature, right, to be playing, you know, so much top of the leaderboard golf for several months, get to the Masters, have that cathartic moment of winning and breaking through, getting a green jacket, and then there's a little bit of human nature where maybe he's not out on the practice range as much and some of those, that white hot start can't be continued forever, right? So I do think, though, that there's still, you know, he still has some really strong underlying statistics for the season, Obviously, not as good over the last couple of months, simply because of that that kind of human nature element I talked about. Um, this is the only of the four majors where John Rom doesn't have multiple top ten finishes in his career, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, he's he's played it; he's only played it six times, so it sounds like he's got a wealth of past experience here. But um, yeah, his best finish is a tie for third a couple of years ago. What do you attribute that to? Yeah, it's tough to say. You know, um, I think that look, they didn't have the Open Championship obviously in twenty twenty. Um, He wasn't the same player. There's really a dividing line in Rom's career really before and after the pandemic in terms of just the caliber of player he's become. Um, So there's not a great volume of history there. Um, Yeah, I'm not totally sure what to attribute to because Rom's such a well-balanced player and is so good Mm -hmm. across the board at all kinds of things. Um, I, I think that you know third on the board is probably still the right place for him given just the kind of floor that he brings week in, week out in terms of what he's capable of. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I find it tough to put a lot of stock in him winning this week simply because he burned so hot at the beginning of the year and really hasn't been the same guy over these last couple of months.
0: J. Ray, I know as you um, build out your models, one of the things you're looking at is historical performance on Link, at Link's venues. Um, and we we have a bunch of those names, you know, kind of built up. And and I was honestly on a lot of these names in in advance of the Scottish Open because you know nobody's better than Jordan Spieth over the past ten years. You know at, at Lynx courses. You look at, at guys like Matthew Fitzpatrick who had a particularly good run um, at 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 the the, at the Scottish and has good numbers on on links courses. Uh, Adam Scott, another guy who's performed well on Lynx courses. Just Justin Rose. The reason I mention all four of those guys is because they just missed the cut at, at the Scottish. They just missed the cut. Yes, you know, that's Spieth why I'm talking. Spieth is sixth on the odds board. W- what's going on? Yeah, this is so. I, I want to sort of get. Well, and I, and get I just said sense. I wasn't
1: high on Rom. Rom is like top five over the last five years in all those different links, strokes, game categories yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one to predict. I mean, I, and Spieth is kind of maddening in that regard because you look at some of yes. his numbers. He's he been is. unbelievable at the Open Championship the last several years, but the way he played Thursday and Friday, you're wondering you know, it, it's a, it's a really difficult choice to make. Like, do you bank, go back on what he's done at the open championship? I think he leads all players in rounds in the sixties and birdie average at the open since 2015. Um, or do you stick more to the recency of what we saw last week? I tend to think the body of work there in terms of everything he's done with that links performance. And, you know, look, I think the recent results for Jordan speed, it's all, it's either cut or top five basically over the last couple of months. So um, yeah, I'm, 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 bullish on speech this week, but it's a timid bull. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not all in, but I, I do have some optimism for his performance just based on what he's done at the open championship over recent years.
2: I don't know House. we saw him and Ricky and JT parading around London, going to Wimbledon with their wives. He's by the way, he and his wife are expecting Jordan and his wife are expecting so, who knows? Maybe they were a little bit distracted this week, but I just didn't see a lot that made you think these guys are going to be in the heat of competition this week.
0: My birdie buddies, golf's fourth major is here, and there is no better place to get in on the action than Vandal, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get. $100 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just go to FanDuel.com slash to join today. My birdie buddies, you know how we roll here on Fairway Roland. We're on Rory McIlroy. We're on Scotty Scheffler, our ironclad lock of the year. Scotty Scheffler, top five. We're going to play finishing positions for guys like Tyrell Hatton, Guys like Adam Scott, even though we missed the cut at the the Genesis. We like a little bit of Xander finishing position. Get all of those bets down at FanDuel. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. So do not miss your chance to tee off with $100 in bonus bets, win or lose when you make your first $5 bet. Go to FanDuel.com slash rolling to sign up today. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com RG. First online real money wager only. A $10 first deposit is required. The bonus is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections
2: I, let me ask you the turd in the punch bowl question, <laughs> because there's always a turd in the punch bowl at this tournament. Which is to say, somebody who's furthered you know, the Ben Curtis, not necessarily somebody who's going to win, but somebody who's in the mix who you don't expect. And if you look at the field list at this tournament, there's kind of a lot of fat on this bone. Which, you know, for a guy like JT or a guy like Spieth, is maybe a good thing because it means there's a lot of long shots who probably have no chance. But I ask you this a lot as we come into majors, J. Ray, about who further down the board you think has a chance. This one... Versus a number of the other majors this year, all three of them, to be honest, looks like one where maybe you could see somebody further down the odds board jumping up. I don't know. And Adam Shank, who's having a great year. Not a lot of people know about him, but he's striking the ball pretty well. And if the wind's going to be down, then the defenses are down. He could be this major's, you know, uh, uh, Wyndham Clark. So my question to you is, do you see any turds in the punch bowl that may, uh, if you'll pardon the pun, float to the top this week?
1: I about a bad. three-time major winner. Can that qualify as, as what you're saying is going to be in the punch bowl? Because no. Patrick Harrington but is he's too good. There you he go. He's too good. No. He, yeah, that doesn't qualify, no, I love right? It. He's not. It no, to no, qualify, but, I, but let's right.
2: talk about Patrick. Let's give him a little love. I'm so glad you brought him up. He's hitting it further than he did 10 years ago,
1: period. I mean, what he's he done house. later in his career to, after the age of 50, I mean, he's got a nice hybrid schedule between some of the senior bigger events and then being able to hang out here this week. Uh, he closed with 74, but he had a, he opened 67-66 in the Scottish Open this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if he qualifies as the proverbial turn of the punch bowl because he's so accomplished. But, yeah, I want to give him some love because I think he's somebody down the board who I'm probably going to have some top 10 money on simply because of the ways he's, he's been swinging the golf club over the last several months. Um, looking at, yeah, the, hmm. Going down the board, trying to find you somebody. Um, I mean, there's a I couple mean, it's, it's names wild. I like. For we got Yannick Paul, Yannick Paul, who was third on the European Ryder Cup points list until today, when McIntyre yeah. passed it right. But
2: and he's 250 yeah. uh, to one this week. I mean, I, I like. By the way, I think we're going to destroy them uh, this fall. But but what else is out there for us? So
1: a name I had circles a guy who played well for three days this week um, and has finished in the top 20 back to back years in the Open is Brian Harmon. I've got him focused, okay. the guy where the Bulldog, I don't think length is going to be as big of an issue this week. Um, and he's a guy who obviously isn't one of the longer players, but good, good finishes the last couple of years of the open. I like the value. I saw him at plus 800 for a top 10. That's a guy who I like a little bit further down the board. Um, But yeah, there was, you didn't like my Harrington call. He's too good. So he's too good. Like I do like
0: it. I mean, the it's a, it's a little bit inelegant. I'm not going to use Nathan's uh, you know phraseology, but if you just look at at what we got out of uh, the results of, of the Scottish Open, it's it's names like Grant Forrest who finished you know solo 11th. It's it, it's it's like you know Ewan F- Ferguson who finished tied for for 12th. It, it's it's Sean Crocker who finished you know tied for for. Nineteenth, David Lingmerth. It's those kinds of names um, that aren't in our, you know, sort of mouths as as uh, uh, folks that we're talking about week in, week out. Um, do you have? The, and and those are all, you know, U- European players. Sean Crocker's U.S., but you know, plays on the European tour, the DP World Tour, though. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, out of that that class of of sort of players that aren't readily uh, evident to the American sporting public, the American golfing consumer, folks that are on the DP World Tour, um, that have some skill at 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 links that you know just aren't the known names. You have some of those guys, uh, pinpointed here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to the name that uh, Nate mentioned, Yannick Paul. I mean, he's had a pretty strong year on the DP World Tour. I think that uh, they're a little bit. This is one of the side effects, a little bit of the Live Tour. Um, and the kind of splintering of some of the talent, you just don't have as strong a fields anymore. On the DP World Tour, you could always count on mm-hmm. some of these veteran European guys being at some of these events and maybe drawing a few more eyeballs. But that field depth just isn't quite there. So I don't know if maybe we pay some of those events the respect they they deserve because it's on at a weird time, and maybe some of the bigger names aren't there for you early in the week. But there's some good golf being played over there, and Yannick Paul's a great, re- uh, great uh, reference point for that. Um, yeah, but you look further down the down the board at some of the guys who may have some of that experience, and I might be a little bit guilty of not paying as much attention as I should to some of those names because um, you know Paul pops off the off the board a little bit. Thomas Dietrich had a pretty good start to the week over the first three rounds. Yeah. He's somebody who's interesting. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's it, it's a difficult one to call because, like you said, some of those names that popped up. Grant Forrest could come in here and punch me in the face and I wouldn't know who he was. So um it's 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 tough <laughs> because you know, so it, it's surprising links golf, right? I mean, it, that's it's right. causes a little bit of randomness. Yeah. You've got some of these names that are gonna jump up and surprise you.
2: Yeah, well, that's gonna be our Wednesday podcast. Is is four guys down the board are gonna come punch you in the face and you're gonna to have to try to guess who it was. <laughs> But l- let me let me ask you the question of of this team. You know, we, we, we the thing about the way the tour has structured the whole schedule this year is it has, with more of the top guys playing with one another, really sifted out for us the upper tier of golfers from the next tier down. And so I want to ask you about that next tier down that we call the bridesmaids, right? Because it's sort of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And, and there's three of them right now that are standing out. And to me, it's Tommy Fleetwood, who's playing great, but just can't seem to get there. It's Patrick Cantlay, and it's his buddy Xander Shoffley, who was defending Scottish champion and came in and, you know, it was, was pretty mediocre this week. If we end this year without those three guys winning a major when you look at the ascendancy of Ludwig Eberg when you look at just how well Scheffler is playing, well, I want to come back to Scheffler later, but those three guys in particular, Ricky would be in that group, but he got a win recently and, you know, we'll give him a, a pass on another year. But for those three bridesmaids, did they have any chance this week as far as you can see, or, or is this just going to be a story of great players stuck in an even greater field in their generation never really being able to reach the kind of potential that they might have had they been born 5, 10 years sooner?
1: It's a great question. Um, so to an- the quick answer is yes. All three of those guys have a legitimate chance. I'm going to give you a really interesting juxtaposition for Patrick Cantlay. This is a reason why, in my profession, you can use statistics to tell you multiple different things, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> so there's only one player who's finished in the top 15 in each of the last five major championships. It's Patrick Cantlay. Also, Patrick Cantlay has never been closer than five shots of the lead entering the final round of a major. So both things are true. Like five straight top 15s, only guy who's been that consistent through 72 holes at the same time. Has he really been contending in any of them? Absolutely not. So that's an example of a way you can kind of extract those two things. You get paid for what you finish at after 72 holes, right? They don't pay you for where you're at through 36 or 54. But at the same time, he hasn't really been a factor, been in the heat of it, really since the Masters that Tiger won in 2019 it was probably the most legitimate chance he had at winning a major championship on a Sunday. So he's a name where I keep coming on before every major and say, the guy's got to prove to me in a big spot, right? He's got all the underlying numbers and metrics. You can that, that jump off the page in terms of what he does week in, week out through the bag. He just doesn't have that. Moment in a major championship yet. And there's a lot of guys who kind of fit that mold. Sam Burns is kind of in the same vein. He's never finished better than tied for 20th in a major. One of the best putters in the Burns. world. Hits it a mile. You know, like he's he's a guy who you expect got the talent to break through, had an unbelievable amateur career. 100%. You know, he's a guy who you expect to break, but he's he's in that same vein where you got to prove it to me. Now, Fleetwood and Shoffley are a little bit different than Cantley to me because they've contended so often in so many majors. Shoffley's finished in the top 20 in six straight majors. 11 top 10s in majors since 2017. He was a 54-hole leader at the Open Championship a few years ago when Molinari won. I think he was a co-leader with, I want to say, Kisner and Spieth, I want to say that day. That was a great final round, by the way. We all remember Tiger and Molinari, but that was a ton of storylines. I digress, though. Um, Shoffley's been there year after year, right? He's always banging on the door, and he's got all those Mm -hmm. underlying numbers. It just seems like a matter of time. And I feel the same way about Tommy Fleetwood. We we always go back as U.S., as Americans, he's never won on the PGA Tour. Guy's won a shit ton of big tournaments in his career. Rolex Series events, you know, big events on the DP World Tour. He just hasn't won one that's been classified as a PGA Tour event yet. And all the big moments in majors. I know his his finish at the U.S. Open at LACC was vaulted up by the big Sunday finish, right? Where it didn't really feel like he, you know, unless somebody totally imploded on the back, it didn't really feel like he had a great chance then but he's been there all over and over again in terms of high finishes, and major championships. And he's playing some of his best golf in recent memory here over the last few weeks. So let's say if I had to rank those three guys this week, I put Tommy one Xander two and Patrick, probably a pretty distant three behind those two guys.
2: He just didn't get the caddy bounce ditty house that that we were looking for, and that you believed in very briefly. Until I'm certain, you've now abandoned him. There's no way you're betting on Patrick Cantlay this week, is there? Oh,
0: he's I'm I'm absolutely putting him in in a finishing position parlay. He's a top 20 machine. I mean, it's it's what J. Ray just just shared with okay. us. I'll have some exposure Fine. to Cantlay, even though he just m- missed the cut. Um, he also, I think Jay Ray um, has really good links numbers, right? Doesn't Patrick Cantlay? Have some some impressive performances. He's got good linked, linked numbers twice. everywhere. It's just yeah.
1: the, the yeah. breakthrough victory moment just hasn't happened yet. I'll give yeah, you an example. Right. Yeah, PGA Championship this year. Corey Connors finished in the top fifteen. Patrick Cantlay finished in the top fifteen. We remember Corey Connors because he nearly won. He felt like he was going to win the thing for three days. Maybe he was legitimately in contention. Then he had a yes. bad last few holes. Patrick Cantlay. They got paid about the same for while they finished, but he was never in the mix really. So. That's the difference from a gambling perspective. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have Patrick Cantlay as part of maybe a top 20 three-way parlay or something like that. But in terms of expecting him to break through and get a victory yet, he's got to prove it to me. Just as a golf fan, I got to see it to believe it in terms of breaking through at a big moment. Super talented, obviously. Numbers galore through the bag in terms of all the different metrics. You got to love him. We just haven't seen it yet.
0: Well, I want to continue this thought on some other guys that, you know, have been sort of quiet this season that have you know s- some some genuine you know uh, excellent performance in, in in their on their resume. Um, I want to talk about both uh, Colin Morikawa and Matthew Fitzpatrick, um, and I feel like it's kind of okay to lump them together in this same kind of category of guys that we're talking about. Colin feels like he's in search of something, right? And and I've been a little bit uh, hard on him this year because he keeps missing the cut, just a little. At, at the, elevated events well he's he's like you know i think i think he's missed the cut at half the elevated a- events um but yeah. he's demonstrated to us his ability to to you know show up at a place and and the US just open you know for take real. over that's ex- yeah that's right um and fitzpatrick i really was disappointed with uh this week i i, I thought that that you know we were trending in in, in a good direction and i'm not sure exactly what is going on with his game right now. Is there anything that that you have about either one of those guys that would um, cause us to throw them into some of our finishing position uh, action?
1: So I find Morikawa fascinating this week.
0: If you look at some of his numbers
1: for the season, you wonder why he hasn't won yet. You wonder why he hasn't broke through and had a victory. He's second on the PGA Tour in Strokeskine approach, always been his calling card. Mm -hmm. He's below average putting, which he's always been since he turned pro. He's in the top five of both driving accuracy and greens and regulation. Oh, by the way, because it was, uh, th- there were early tee times and it wasn't on live CBS, and I don't think, it was on tape delay. He nearly won the Rocket Mortgage. He lost in that playoff. Yeah. So he's coming off, he yeah. didn't play this week, So or the Scottish Open. So he's coming off his best finish of the year. He's got a lot of strong underlying metrics. I don't think this is a golf course that's going to be super power prejudiced, um, which is something that holds him back at some of those events. Whereas like, for example, House, like BGA, I'm getting excited. PGA championship, are pounding guys who hit the ball a long way. Yeah. and That's why we got Kitayama and Luke lists as those under the radar top tens. Yeah. I don't think that's the case this week. I think Colin Morikawa is really interesting and I think he could sneak up on some people. So I'm bullish on him. Fitzpatrick, you talk about it like it's disappointing, but in the three majors since he won, he's finished in the, or four majors since he won, he's finished in the top 25, three times. So, um, if it weren't for that victory at, at Town, we'd really be talking about what a down year it's been. Statistically, he's not the same guy as he was last year. In terms of last year, he was like through the roof, improved in every strokes game category. He's regressed a little bit this season. I'm higher on more Alex has than taken his
2: mojo. <laughs> I mean, his brothers. I don't have that in the database. good. I don't have mojo in the yeah. database, but <laughs> his but, brothers but, taking it all. <laughs> By the way, multiple sets
1: of brothers in the Open Championship. I was asked the last time that happened, and I got back to Mungo Park in 1886. So um, I th- I'm sure it's happened since then
2: too. But that was the there first. was somebody named Mungo, or was that the last name? He He's an open championship winner, Mungo Park Of course, Of look course. It up. There's my history coming into play. <laughs> but look, uh, Of course I mean, was I mean, twelve Ray- back then, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh well, that's it. Okay, that's and that's why we we got to get back to that. Uh, but it does. I mean, Morikawa was sitting there at 25 to one house. And every time you and I know there's a guy in the twenties who were like, wait, why again? And Jay Ray just reminded us that Detroit, he could have, and probably should have won that tournament, gave Ricky the big hug. That was really nice, whatever, but he's playing well. All it takes is a week with a putter and it doesn't feel like this one's necessarily going to be a putting contest, does it? Everything we hear about the course suggests uh, great ball striking. And, and again, I think his play around the greens, as, as Jay Ray said at the beginning of the pod, is, uh, is going to come through. This may be the guy who you're, you're, you're at your own peril if you overlook this week.
0: Agreed. I'm with you, Hunter. I think it's a perfect assessment. Let's do some breakthrough, guys. And, you know, one of the interesting trends of the last handful of years is that we can uh, kind of look at what what had been the precedent for the Open Championship, which was you needed to have played in a bunch of them. You needed to be a little bit of an older player. You needed to have finished relatively well in one of them. And Colin Murakawa and Cam Smith took those two trends and were like, yeah whatever bro we're, we're good we're just we're just little stud horses we're gonna come out here and rock and roll these joints um i have been impressed by tom kim on lynx courses and jay ray just gave me the nod of approval all right i'm gonna stop talking i want to hear justin ray tell me why tom kim me is the too hot stuff all right, links courses. What's
1: the one, what, the one thing I've been talking about where it's not as significant? Length off the tee. What's the biggest efficiency in young Tom Kim's game Link right now?
2: Length off the tea. tee.
1: He's better than pretty much everybody at mid to long iron play. He was awesome through three rounds with his long irons, tied for six in the Scottish Open, and that was with I think played the last two holes in plus three.
2: Oh, um, he doubled eighteen. I'm, it was I'm, so I'm bad. He shot. almost ice Rory.
1: Yeah, that was, that was crazy. I have him watched those back-to-back. I think both guys made double, and then Rory came and knocked the putt down. It was awesome. But, yeah, no, I'm high on Tom Kim for a lot of reasons. Um, like I said, not a course where length is super overwhelmingly important. His two wins came at, what, TBC Summerlin and in Greensboro, both yes. also golf yes. courses where you don't necessarily have to be super long. We've seen guys who aren't very long win there. Um, in And um, if – out of the four major championships this year, this was the one I had circled as the most likely for Kim to have success in. Um, still super mm-hmm. young, obviously. So um, it, it, there's always a little bit of that learning period. But like you said, Colin Moore won in his Open debut. Cam Smith didn't have a ton of Open success to speak of when he won last year. Um, if I was to pick a major going into the year for Kim to have success in, this would have been the one. And he's coming off a really strong week at the Scottish Open. So uh, I'm pretty high on him going into this week.
0: Sitting there at 40 to 1. And by the way, Morikawa, I can find him on on FanDuel right now at 33 to 1. So, yes, we are going to finish this preview show, and I am going to get on the sports book and then wager some money.
2: Set some of it on fire. Go for it, house. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm glad that you said Cam Smith because he is our defending champion. He did go toe-to-toe with Rory down the stretch last year. He made the putts that Rory couldn't, and... Quite honestly, that's still been Rory's story since we saw that battle over the last year, which was Rory been in position on those greens, hitting them, has some looks, doesn't get it done. We saw it at the U.S. Open. Saw a lot in Canada on Sunday before the U.S. Open. Today, he finally was able to get it done. But let's come back to Cam Smith, because again, you have less of a body of work to evaluate. You have fewer statistics. How do you look at this defending champion coming in this week trying to repeat
1: so yeah you're right and and for like I said for the U.S. Open and basically since the live breakaway happened it's tough because I'm I know in my mind I'm going to be prejudiced towards guys I have more information about because that's just the way that I'm analytically looking at it but Cameron Smith's put together enough of a resume maybe not week in week out that we get to see but for example he's one of three players to finish in the top 10 at the PGA and U.S. Open this year Rory and Scotty Scheffler are the other two um in terms of strokes gained putting per round he's the best of, We know it visually right like watching it but since we have strokes gained for the major championships the beginning of last year he's the best in terms of strokes gained putting per round. He gets nearly 50% of his strokes gained total on the greens. Now um like I, I don't necessarily think this is going to be a putting contest but I think that there's hmm. aspects of his game that carry everywhere and he it shows in terms of how he's performed in the major championships. So I think there's enough of a body of work there where Don't overlook Cam Smith. Don't overlook the golf he's been playing. He's still near the top of the world in terms of our performance index, the 21st Group. Data Golf has him in a similar spot over the last 9, 12, 18 months too. So even though he's not visually week in, week out, and part of that golf that we're always following, um, he's a name that you shouldn't be taking lightly. There's a reason why, like you said, he was the one who made the putts, made the clutch shots, made it all happen last year at St. Andrews. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him contend and possibly win back-to-back this week.
0: Now do you like him? If we do one of the the props that that um are fun to play is Top Live golfer. Do you like prefer him to Brooks Kepka cuz Brooks Kepka has a pretty damn good um links resume, links slash open championship resume. Not not, you know, uh, doesn't have the W, but you know, we we remember seeing him in final groups uh, over the last handful of years. This is a major,
1: right? This is a major championship. Yes, sir. Brooks Kepka Brooks pretty consistent in those, right? Pretty good. In pretty good. In the He's since back, 2017, baby. By far, best of anybody. Yeah. He's led after 18 rounds in majors. No one else has led more than eight in that span. Uh, as All the nice things I said about Cam Smith, I'm not going to bet against Brooks Koepka's low live golfer. I'm going to go with Kepka in that Ooh.
0: category. Wow. So you can get him right now at 22 to 1 to win this thing hmm. outright. Um.
1: Now this doesn't, mm. this doesn't mean anything or it could mean everything. Six players have won the PGA and the open in the same season. Three of them won the open at this golf course. Doesn't okay. mean anything, but maybe No, means- I think
2: that means everything. <laughs> that means everything. But- <laughs> I just yeah, like it. Jay- a, Ray- I just like it as a
1: piece of trivia really, but
2: <laughs> yeah, well, look, we've been circling the drain on Scheffler and we've given him his flowers. It's, you know, we know he hadn't finished lower than top 12 since October we, we, you know, you just talked about seven straight top five finishes, but t- talk to us. Th- this has been a truly unprecedented run. M- maybe, maybe paired only with Tiger's tee to green, it's been the putting. But, but help us understand as as we come into this one. He hadn't won a major this year. And he hadn't won a major since, yeah. you know, since he won the Masters. So, so is this a week that where you can actually believe that he's not just going to backdoor into these top fives, but that he's actually going to grab a tournament by the throat and go win it?
1: So to give you a perspective on how good he is Tee De Green this season, since they started doing strokes gain 20 years ago, there are only two seasons where a player has averaged two and a half strokes gain Tee Green or more per round. Tiger Woods in 2006 and Scotty Scheffler this season. That's it. Nobody else has done it. Tiger only that one time. Rory's never done it. Bj never did it. Dj doesn't matter who it did. No, just them. That's it. Uh, couple that House, with how what are we doing? Good.
0: I know what what we're doing is <laughs> betting I mean, on Scotty Schiffler to to top five, which is a a, a, a a guaranteed cash so far this season.
1: Has played great at the Open Championship in rounds one through three. Didn't play well in the final round last year. It's probably the most surprising performance of the entire week to me last year was scotty in the final round last year at st andrews but you look at the major championships since the beginning of 2020 he's 27 shots better than any other player in that span he is unsinkable week in week out because his ball striking is so ridiculously good if he putts average or a little above average you're looking at what we saw at the players championship we wanted one by what four or five shots um i I was gonna save it to the end but scotty's my pick to win I, just, pick I, to think win as well. I think it's, I think well, it's. I was talking about all I'm leaning yeah. more towards player performance, recent trends, than course related stuff because of the, just the nature of the information and nature of links golf. I think the answer is just kind of looking at you dead in the face in terms of I, who's I, been I, the best yeah. golfer in the world this year. He probably should have two or three wins. I'm going to pick Scotty Scheffler to win and pick up a second major this week.
2: This is going to be boring because that's where I am too, and I will add yeah. one bit of slightly inside information to the pool, and that is that Scotty Scheffler had been going through something in his personal life, and I'll leave it at that. Nothing scandalous, nothing at all, but something difficult something over human, the course of the
1: yeah.
2: uh, over the course of the last couple of months. He hasn't shown it, he hasn't talked about it uh, publicly, and I think the fact that he has continued to perform in this way. While he's been dealing emotionally with, with you know whatever it is, uh is a signal to just how great he is. I think he's through the woods on that to a certain degree. And I'm gonna be shocked if he's not top three competing for the win this week. Cause I I think he just it, he's still on this heater, and it just would be it would, it's inconceivable that he's gonna go through this stretch and not grab a big win to house.
0: I'm right there with you. He's available at FanDuel right now. It's seven to one the finishing odds positions haven't yet been posted as we tape this but i'm also i'm giving it out right now my fairway roll and lock of the open championship for the entire week is Scotty Scheffler in the top 5 i really went out on a limb and had that <laughs> at the open at, at the us open but you know what if you like money then bet on the thing that just keeps happening every time this guy sticks a tee in the ground i love the way he looked at at uh the scottish and you know it's 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 the ball striking it's the ball striking it's the ball striking and yeah i'm not worried at all i love the the opportunity for him to putt on slower greens you know bad putters like putting on slow greens that's what we're gonna have this week uh at at, at hoi lake so we're we're all on scheffler we're not really going out on on too much uh of a limb here. Let's make he's, sure these
1: are bankable trends, right? The the yes. strokes can tee to green week in week out. Best since prime Tiger. Yeah, I mean this is not hyper, hyper hyperbole. This is this hmm. is something you can bank on. The top five finishes, longest streak since Tiger at his prime. Like this is take it to the bank. You can bank on this guy having a great week tee to green. He, all, all it just whether or not he wins is if he makes a few more putts. Literally, yeah, that's it. He's if gonna he find makes, the putter. If he makes five or six more 10 to 15 footers over the last two months, he's the runaway number one. He's number one in the world now, but he's running away with it. And we're talking about one of the great, one of the great seasons in recent memory uh, in men's golf.
0: Well, since we already went right to the meat of the matter, we're all on Scotty Scheffler. I do want to make sure let's bring it all the way back around. We sang the praises very deserved of the beloved Rory McIlroy Why is Scotty Scheffler going to beat Rory McIlroy at the 151st Open Championship, Justin Ray? Because of all the reasons why Rory hasn't
1: won a major in nine years. Um, Mm. The moment, I I think that performance-wise, Scotty is a more reliable pick at this point. I know Rory just kicked ass down the stretch and won at the Scottish Open, but... Look, at the, the and if it wasn't for Scotty, those T to Green numbers, we would all we would be talking about Rory. He's second on tour yep. in Strokes gain T to green in the majors the last two years. Scotty's first in ball striking, Rory's second, and they're all, both about a shot ahead of John Rom in third. So there's a separating factor between those two and the rest of the world when it comes to performance T to Green. It's it's really hard to win a major in the same place. Twice that isn't, I mean, it's tough to win at Augusta National twice too, but in terms of a place where you come back and go, I mean, really it's Tiger and Jack and not too many other guys who come back to a venue and win um, on, on returns, really difficult to do. Um, and I just think that all the underlying numbers point more towards Scotty than they do towards Rory. That being said, like I said, look, Rory's had a great year in the major championships too, aside from the Masters, a couple of top 10 finishes. I mentioned that crazy greens and regulations stat at the U S open, but there's just a few more demons to kick out there. And, and I just, I I like Rory to play well this week. I don't think it'll be a repeat of what we saw at the masters at all, but uh, I just like Scotty a little bit more.
2: Two quick ones for you, Jay Ray. Uh, The first is if I told you in February that Max Homo was going to have a fairly abysmal major tournament record this year, I think you would, your eyebrows might've shot up do you need Max Homa to play well in this British Open to consider him a top 10-ish player in the world?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think right now at this moment, I'm not sure I put him in that group based on the last four or five months. He had an unreal start to the year. And I think that we need to start looking at his kind of performance on West Coast golf courses, because he's a different guy out there in terms of, you know, his ability to I don't know if it's reading the greens or some of the different course traits, I'd have to dive into the numbers a little bit more. But his best play has come on the West Coast, which is where he's from. I do think he's got i mean, obviously he's won Wells Fargo and he's won some some big events that aren't there, but some big events um I think that's a little bit of a thing you need to look at with him, is that, you know, I, I would to answer your question, yes, I would have been surprised because of just how great he yeah. played in the fall and early in the spring. Just didn't think that he hadn't. Yeah had a great week. He's coming off a strong week of the Scottish Open, though. I think he finished tied 12. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I mean,
1: that's that's something to look and, and circle and, and be positive about. But um, he is a little bit – it's a little bit like diet can't lay right now in terms of I've got to see it at a big yeah. Yeah. championship to go to the bank with him as somebody I'd, I'd circle to win.
2: House, I know your answer to that question, so you don't even need to say it because your answer I is yes. ne- yeah, you, you I, I, I raised my hand. It was enough. We're on television.
0: I raised my hand.
2: But but the second question that I have is the one where we routinely shame Joe House because he has such a well of emotion and passion about the question that I'm about to ask you. He just it, it is if you want to take something to the bank, it's that House will always lose money on whether Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson is going to make the cut in a God. week. Cause he either goes all in no or all in yes. And it's usually at the wrong time. So we're gonna ask him what he thinks second. I wanna know. From you, Phil Mickelson, does he make the cut at the British Open?
1: No. Um, other than his win in 2013, he has a long history of not succeeding at, the, at this championship, right? And then, of course, the showdown with the, Henry the Stinson and the and, years yeah, later. Yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. got a couple of high point years where he was playing some great golf, had won in those seasons going into it, um, where you could kind of say, okay, like this is a, I could logically see Phil breaking through and having a big week. Obviously, in 2013, when he won the Open, he was coming off a win at the Scottish Open. So, um, I just his performances just haven't been there. I know he played great at the Masters, obviously, but that's kind of a special circumstance, I think, in terms of course knowledge and, and all the great golf he's played there over the years. He's not—he's he's not one of these guys that don't have a ton to go off of, right, in terms of recent form. Well, because uh,
2: he, he's just all not a lot to off of. of. But
1: I will say, based on 30 years of Phil at the
0: Open, no. House. I like What's it. What's your by answer? By the way, Nate Dog, remember I took three million of Bill Simmons' dollars at Brookline last <laughs> year on on minus three hundred on a minus three hundred line for Phil Mickelson <laughs> to miss the cut. I, I corrected. I, I borrowed three million dollars from Bill Simmons, and we won a million dollars on that baby or whatever we won. Uh, and. We had that one absolutely nailed. I bet Mickelson yeah. to miss the cut at the Masters and to miss the cut at the PGA Championship. Those were both yeah. incorrect. He did miss the cut at the U.S. Open. I believe he is going to miss the cut once again at the Open Championship. I'm joining Justin Ray. We will see how the odds uh, come out here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They have great markets for both make the cut and miss the cut. And, you know, a lot of ways to to build up successful parlays here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Fellas, I, I think we did it. We gave out a winner. We gave out some long shots. We gave out Phil Mickelson to miss the cut. What else is, is left uh, but for us to enjoy a beautiful week of coffee golf that we have in front of us. Justin Ray, I would say that this is a uh, sad parting because this is the last of the majors for us to go through, but I'll remind everybody this is a Ryder Cup year, so we insist that Justin Ray come back in September, we will sit down together this this triumphant uh, uh, triumvirate and try and give out some winners on the Ryder Cup. Nate Dog thinks that the U.S. is going to win in, in a waltz. I'm not there yet. you um, but look be Bertie, talking to me from Rome. I will be there. So. Oh, marvelous. Yeah. This is great. Yeah,
1: I'm doing the Solheim Ryder one-two-step week after week there. So I'm going to spend most of September in Europe. My wife just, is thrilled, that she's <laughs> be she <laughs> here with the toddler. I'll Well,
0: just make sure you save some time for your little pals here at Fairway Rowland so we can get into this for all the birdie buddies and the par-saving pals out there. To all the Eagle enthusiasts as well, we are back on at least Wednesday. We might reserve the right for pop-up shows as the week develops because... You know, we the funny things can happen across the pond. The weather forecast could change in, in a matter of 24 hours. We might want to revisit some of this territory that we covered. I hope everybody is resting up right now because you have to be up very early or stay up very late or maybe just stay up all night long. It's fine. However you want to lead your own lives, my birdie buddies, my par-saving pals. We'll be back on wednesday at least and then uh recap show next sunday when the claret jug is in scotty scheffler's hands probably but in the meantime please if you're able to play please do your best to hit one straight out there You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. If you are in Arizona, you call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533 421 789 7777 in Connecticut. That's the number. Or you can visit ccpg.org slash chat. Once again, that's in Connecticut. In Indiana, you call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com In Louisiana, it's 1-877-770-STOP In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET In West Virginia Or call 1-800-522-4700 In Wyoming Hope is here Visit gamblinghelplinema.org Or call 800 327 5050 for 24/7 support in Massachusetts or in New York, you call 18778 Hope NY or text hope NY in New York.